Welcome into VIC Radio and the first show of the Big Apple Sports Talk Show. Cam Manna and Eli Fishman here with you talking all New York sports. And Eli, let's start with the game last night. The New York Yankees, what a game that was heading to Fenway and getting just a very crucial win for playoff format. Absolutely. Coming into yesterday, they were half game behind the Blue Jays. Now make that a full game after the victory over the Red Sox. And everything everything was working for the Yankees last night, right? After the struggles that Garrett Cole had had against the Indians, he came out absolutely shoved. Some stats, especially the walks, maybe not exactly where you want, but definitely looked a lot better. And the offensive production, it's always been a worry. You know, the bats getting hot early, the team being fired up. They really looked like that last night. You know, you, so, you see Glaber go yard, Stanton go yard, some good offensive production from Kyle Agashioka. Um, the bullpen looked good. Wandy Peralta yeah. shutting it down. And then finally hitting with runners in scoring position. It just seems like, you know, when you look at John Carlos Stanton in games like this, you know, we've saw, we've seen playoff Stanton, what he's able to do. This was almost kind of that playoff atmosphere game, really a must-win team for both, must-win game for both sides. And Stanton comes out, hits the ball very well. That shot he had to right field, everyone kind of just stepped up at the right time in this big game. And now you look at the Yankees now being two games up on Toronto, two games back from Boston for this for the top wild card spot and now with eight games left to go, still two left with Boston, it's a very exciting time but you know not a time for the Yankees to slow down. It seems like they're finally hitting their stride winning four in a row. Exactly. Newton's first law, an object in motion stays in motion and when you're hot, especially against a team like the Red Sox and especially at Fenway Park, you know, that's another big thing. The Yankees are a team that we've seen in the playoffs in past years, at home in, the, in these Septembers, the yep. past years, they rally around each other. They rally around the fans. And this win against Boston, this big team, and we've seen how good Boston can be, this, this is just so important. And, you know, for the Yankees, and Stan, I always say, the biggest thing is when those home runs come. Yep. Right? You know this team has the power. We've seen the power on Judge and Stanton and all these guys. It's all about having runners in scoring position and setting yourself yourself up defensively and offensively to cash in on when those opportunities come. And if they can get it done, two more in Boston, then on Tuesday they start a three-game series going to Toronto. So a six-game stretch all on the road against two of the hottest teams. Toronto was the hottest team in the major leagues after um, you know these maybe – was the hottest team in the major leagues, but now losing this uh, you know, this little three-game stretch, four-game stretch that they've had. But these next six games for the Yankees, the next five now, on the road against two very tough teams in two tough environments, it's really going to show a lot about what this team is, the moves that Brian Cashman has made, especially at the trade deadline, bringing in um, Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. This is the time for everything to come together and turn it on. Baseball's a long season. It's about staying in the hunt and then getting hot. And if the Yankees can get hot and take these two series against you know, two teams in hostile environments, that's going to be telling of finally what this team can do as a whole and um, you know, come together with just that production in these big games. Absolutely. These next, eight, I believe it's eight games remaining, yep. are so huge for the future of the franchise. This is as big as it gets. I'm, even you think about the playoffs, these games are so huge to see how Joey Gallo is going to perform. If you want to keep Anthony Rizzo, you know, for the future, so so they really got to look at it, lock it in, and it's exciting to see, and I'm especially excited for this, the final against against the Rays. Yeah, those those I don't know if it's three or four, three at games home. at home, three yep. games at home. That's going to be electric, and that's you know something else right there that 
what the fans are getting these last few games, they're all playoff games. It's crazy how the schedule has come to be. Red Sox, Blue Jays, Tampa, last three series of the season, and they're all so crucial because all three of these teams, one of them's not going to make the playoffs, and all three of these teams playing good baseball, it's going to be really exciting. I'm really tempted to see what happens these next two games against the Red Sox. For the Yankees' sake, they definitely got to win two out of three um, heading into that Toronto series because it, it's it's tough to play against Toronto, especially when you're in Toronto. And that team, the bats that they've had this season, Guerrero, Bichette, Simeon, that's just been a, you know, a powerhouse lineup that they've had. Absolutely. And also with the travel restrictions and everything, this is going to be the first time, I believe, that they're playing at full capacity at home yep. in two years because they didn't play last year. So that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun. And now l- let me ask you something as we as we move on, because Kyle Gashioka and Garrett Cole looked really good last night. Right? Yep. They've they've been paired together, you know, the whole season, kind of that pitcher catcher duo in the wild card game. Garrett Cole's on the mound. Do you do you want Higgy in that situation? Because the bat hasn't been as good as Sanchez, but they just connect. Well, the thing is, you know, throughout the year, there has been times, though, where Higgy's been behind the plate and Cole hasn't pitched well. So, um, and obviously, consistency-wise, Cole seems to pitch better with Higgy behind the plate. And the thing I've seen with Higgy is every time he is, when he has the bat in his hand, yes, he doesn't hit too well, but I feel like he gets those timely hits once in a while, having the RBI um, last night against Boston. But the thing about Sanchez, though, that you cannot leave out of the lineup, especially what he's been able to do in the playoffs in the past and what he's done in some of these you know, games where it's much needed, those much-needed home runs, as we saw in that Texas Rangers series, I just can't see the Yankees, and especially Aaron Boone, leaving Gary Sanchez out of the lineup with what he can do with his bat. One, one swing from Gary Sanchez can really change a game. That's what this lineup has been built around. So that's going to be a tough decision. But if it were me, I feel like you cannot sit down Gary Sanchez in a game like that, win or go home. I 100% agree. It's like the word, and especially the experience, yep. you know, that Gary Sanchez has and Kyle, Goshi- Kyle Gashioka doesn't doesn't necessarily have, you know, in the playoffs in that atmosphere. And you really got to think about the Yankees. Like, they're a team, their defense has been it's been so good. Not as much defense, but the pitching yep. has been so good. It's been killer. And people don't talk about that enough. But people do talk about the offense, and it's obviously not killer. It has not been great. So... If you want to switch one side or the other to prefer for where you would like to put a guy like Gary Sanchez, would you rather have a defensive catcher or an offensive hitter who you have more trust in to give you the long ball, have a big bat in the lineup? You obviously want to go offense the way the Yankees have been playing. Yeah, 100%. And then you look at the the pitching staff, especially out of the bullpen. Chapman looked very good in that Rangers series, uh, you know, coming together in, I would say, the last month. I, I've seen Chapman be a bit more comfortable. Obviously, the injuries here and there. But then... It was awesome to see Severino come out of the bullpen and give two innings of work, having those two strikeouts. He looked comfortable, looked like he's getting back in his groove. Just to have him, you know, not even in the starting rotation, to have him as an arm for the Yankees down this final stretch, and if they can get into the playoffs, that's something that definitely is, um, you know, just makes Aaron Boone and this whole Yankee team comfortable because we've seen what Severino is able to do when he's healthy and when he was in the starting rotation for the Yankees. I feel like him coming out of the bullpen in a clutch situation, it kind of you know gives these Yankees players on the defensive side a little bit of a deep breath. Okay, like we know what can, what Severino can do coming out of the bullpen. Um, they're comfortable with him, and uh, you know just adding that strength to the bullpen is something that the Yankees really need. 
Absolutely. And as I said, it's, it's a lot about momentum and, you know, everything that Severino's done for this franchise the last few years. And then also you have Tyone coming off the injured list. He's going to be back in the next couple of weeks. And then Jonathan Lewisaga. I mean, his season has just been insane. 2.25 ERA, 9-4 and record out of the bullpen. I feel like people aren't talking about him nearly enough. Same thing with, you know, Peralta. And even Green has looked very good, even though he's had his, his ups and downs. And, and Nestor Cortez as well. I mean, he's just been insane. Guys are stepping up and um, out of the bullpen. You know, we've seen the Steven Ridings this year and the Brady Corner and all these guys. So it's, it's really exciting to see this bullpen coming together. And coming into the year, it's even kind of funny because everyone was just so worried about the pitching. Everyone was like, we need starting pitchers. Yeah. We need pitchers. And now it's the exact opposite. The problem is that the bats aren't alive and the pitchers are dominating. And, you know, Cortez is going to be on the mound tonight for the pinstripes. And, you know, he's just another reliable guy for the Yankees and what they've been built around. And I feel like Cortez can bring this to the table. You know, his ERA being right around three right now. I think it's sub three. And what he's able to do for the Yankees is always give them a chance to win. And I feel like the the starting pitchers have done a better job of that this year. Just the offense. There's nights like last night, an 8-3 win, where... You know, hitting with runners in scoring position, not grounding into double plays. The Yankees finally getting it together. But then there's those games where, you know, we saw in that seven-game losing streak where, you know, they had that tough series against the Mets. I think they were swept by uh, either Toronto or Baltimore um, not too long ago. It was like, where did the offense go? These these big bats, the big money that Cashman has put into this offense, at times you just wonder, you know, how how is this happening to this amazing lineup with just hitters that um, you know have are supposed to and have in the past just tear it up the major leagues. Absolutely, you know, Aaron Judge hitting two eighty six and he's by far the best player on this team. And obviously two eighty six, you you can't complain about it. But you would ex- you ex- we expect so much more from this Yankees lineup, especially how much money they put in. And my biggest worry right now, honestly, is Joey Gallo. Yep. Um, you know. How can you not love when you see those home runs? You saw the home run he hit a couple nights ago um, at home. was just absolutely rocking. Oh, God. They're so exciting. I but think he has 38 or 39 home runs, but he's batting like 170. And it's it's just— and 170 on the dot. Yeah, that's what they're you know paying him it's to do, just, obviously, at home runs. But 170 is atrocious. Especially considering all they gave up yeah. for him you know, as a, as a minor league prospect guy and seeing Glenn Otto's success in the big leagues. Um, and all that stuff, it is frustrating, and you know, you see how the the moves that Brian Cashman made, and we're gonna see how they turn out. Um, but but Gallo does worry me, and that he's under contract for next year. Yeah, the Voight situation too, um, with Voight and Rizzo splitting time worries me as well, especially headed into the playoffs and and next year as well. You know, and I think like that situation bringing in Gallo and Rizzo, obviously not you know needing. Either guy at either position, it was more just a lefty power bat that the Yankees were missing. They were kind of relying on Runet Odor to be that guy. And, you know, obviously he was not terrible, but he wasn't that big power bat with the short ports that the Yankees have. So bringing in those two guys, um, you know, obviously it was one thing. But another thing that worries me is on the right side of the plate, um, you know, all year, DJ LeMahieu has not been what everyone expected, um, you know, from his, you know, just his, his pass in the Yankees, just being a career 300 hitter, now batting, you know, just under 270. Um, heating up a little bit, but has not been the DJ LeMahieu that we've seen not hitting for power. And that's the same for Glaber Torres. It's just two guys in the lineup that, you know, Glaber Torres hitting 40 home runs in 2019, right around there, and DJ LeMahieu being that 300 hitter that the Yankees can rely on. Both of those guys have just hit the back burner this year and have not been the same players. And, you know, that definitely goes into the offense, um, you know, just the offense being 
more of a negative aspect of this Yankees team this year. It just makes you sit down and wonder, like, why? How can someone like DJ LeMay, who go from, what did he hit last year, like 340? Something, yep. something insane. And, and the power that we saw, he has 10 home runs in 662 at-bats this year. That's horrific, especially for a guy like DJ, who was in MVP talks last year, was very, very darn close to it. Um, he so had 10 home runs last year in the shortened season. In 60 games. And he batted 364, and now he's 10 home runs. games yep. this year. Um, and, you know, we, we talk about all the success that they're having, and, and it's, it's so – I also find it so funny that the Yankees are – they're playing so well. They're going to finish the season with 93, 95 wins somewhere in, in right around there. And, you know, everyone, and you know, obviously guilty of it is – is talking so negatively about it. I find it so funny, like, as Yankee yeah. fans, yep. as Yankee fans, our expectations are just so high. So high. That a wild card season with 95 wins, everyone is so mad at the team, calling for even, you know, at Boone's time, job. Rob, Boone's job, Cashman's job, yep. Marcus Thames. And you look at the Mets, just, you know, also in New York, how crazy the fan base's expectations are, because the Mets at one point were, like, just a little bit over 500, and I know they were, you know, in that first place hunt when the Yankees weren't. But Mets fans were freaking out. They were acting <laughs> like, "Oh wow!" Like the Yankees were had the same record as the Mets earlier on, right around July, and um, you know, a bit before the All Star break. And both fan bases were on just two different universes with how they felt about their record, and that just you know goes to show the the Yankees this year. 87 wins right now. It's it's going to be a good season. They'll definitely, uh, hopefully, hit that 90 win mark. And a lot of us are, are wondering, you know, how much better it could have been and how much better we expected it to be. Absolutely. And, I mean, you can't help but to think about that when you, when you look at this lineup. I mean, it truly is just insane. But, you know, a disappointment in its own way. And you really hope that, you know, maybe not this year, but just in the next two years, considering all they've done and, you know, all the millions and millions of dollars they spent, so much money, that they can make something out of it. Yeah. Imagine how disappointing it would be to not make the playoffs. Like, just imagine. I, I think it would be the most disappointing season in Yankees history. The, Close it's to it. It, it's it's crazy that they're you know that they're here right now. I expected um, maybe not to win the division, even though many people you know that's what they expected. But I expected to just you know be that top wild card spot by a good amount. But it's not just looking at the Yankees. Oh, how poorly they've done. Yes, they have not played the baseball that everyone expected. But this division is just unbelievable. Insane. The oh. Red Sox, out of absolutely nowhere. They, they look like, first week of the season, they look like a team that was going to be on the Orioles' level winning 60 yep. games. And they've just come out of absolutely nowhere with guys that absolutely no one has heard of. And we thought Toronto would be good, but not, you know, like 85 wins. I thought Toronto would be around where the Mets are right now in that 70-win mark playing, you know, okay subpar baseball. But Toronto just hits the crap out of the baseball. Exactly. What they've been able to do is just... You know, as we talked about Guerrero, Simeon is like what happened to Marcus Simeon? That Forty crazy. home runs, forty home runs from Marcus Simeon just absolutely shocks me and should shock everyone. Considering you know he's he's not a big guy, he's like you know a sleeky little fast middle infielder. It feels like, and just out of absolutely nowhere, and he's older too. Yeah. Feels like he's been around. He's thirty one. Thirty one. So so some solid experience. And the problem with the Blue Jays has been the pitching, too. Um, yeah. You know, aside from Robbie Ray, um, you know, they got Barrios. He's looked good. Um, you know, Hinjin Ryu has, has had some injuries. He's looked – he's been on and off. Um, but, 
their offense is just just insane. And it kind of reminds me in a way of, you know, the Yankees had better pitching in 2019, but their team was built off of, you know, how many home runs they hit, the, the records that they were breaking. Vladimir Guerrero, 46. Simeon, 42. Um, you know, Bo Bichette, 26. Randall Gritchick has 22. They, you know, they're, they just mash the baseball. And, you know, what they've been able to do on the offensive side of the ball is super pleasing to be a Toronto, you know, for Toronto Blue Jays fans. But they're pitching, obviously, you know, Robbie Ray leading the team in ERA. Ryu has just not been what everyone hoped out of um, him this year, being more of that ace. He's around the four ERA mark. So imagine where they would be right now if they're pitching, if they had that clear ace. Because that worries me as a Yankees fan going into next offseason, what Toronto is going to get just from a pitching aspect, from from a pitching standpoint, because their offense is so good with one arm, they could tear up the AL East next year and even the AL as a whole. And Absolutely. And, you know, I was just looking at the home run totals for the Yankees as you were rattling them off for the Blue Jays. And the fact that Marcus Simeon has six more home runs than Aaron Judge on the <laughs> season is, is just insane. And also another thing is they've been healthy. Like yep. everyone just you just pray and pray that these guys, these Stantons and these judges and all of these guys stay healthy and and you know the big core of guys have have really done a good job of that this season. And another thing, another thing, going back to you know the Blue Jay and Yankee kind of rivalries is the Garrett Cole Robbie Ray matchup. I feel like yep. that's I I really hope they meet up at some point because that, that's going to be a lot of fun. And who, let me ask you who you got for for the Cy Young because it's really between the two, Cole and Ray. I would say that it's that you know to me I feel like it's more obvious that it's got to be Cole. I feel like yeah, you know, you know, really? Ray's Ray's had obviously like a good year as a whole. I just feel like Cole's dominance when you know he's been on the mound. Obviously, outside of that, there's two bad starts this year, but Cole was just consistent. When you think of an ace, you think of Garrett Cole, and um, to me, it, it's it's more of a no brainer than you know people make the conversation out to be. That's this is an interesting take. I I think I might go Robbie Ray on that just because his his resurgence with the Blue Jays. Right, you know, I do feel like you you look at it as a whole as as a team. The Yankees are the Yankees. The Blue Jays are the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays are a kind of a team that's that's come out of nowhere in a sense and have absolutely dominated. And you, we've seen what Robbie Ray can do in his career. He's he's been around, but this year has just exploded for him. And it also comes down to the playoffs. I feel like, yeah, you know, maybe not whoever makes it further, but whoever performs better in the playoffs wins the Cy Young. So I'm really excited to see that. And, you know, the crazy thing is, is that to us, this is more of a, a down year for, for Garrett Cole. And he's, yeah. and he's still, you know, 1-2 in the Cy Young. Robbie Ray is having his best season. He's, you know, Robbie Ray, as a career pitcher, his career ERA is a 4. Garrett Cole's career ERA is a 3. But, you know, you look at the last, from 2018 on, he's in, like, the mid-2s. So... To me, it's you know it's crazy and comparing the two Ray are very similar, but this is more of that down year for Cole, um, and he's at a you know a three flat ERA right now. It's funny. It's just the dynamic of of sports and and fans and baseball, and also you know the media too has played a big role in that, especially you know with the spider tack thing that everyone was talking about. It you know at the beginning of the year, everyone thought for a second that like. Cole was going to be absolutely done because he didn't have his spider tack. Yeah. And that was that was a real conversation that was had. 
Well, we're going to take a short break here on the Big Apple Sports Show, Cam Manna and Eli Fishman. When we get back, we'll preview the New York Giants game against the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday, Eli Eli Manning's retirement of his jersey. We'll be right back. Find your comfiest chair, grab your coldest beverage, and relax. Every Tuesday night, 8 to 10 o'clock, with me, DJ Dog, on the kickback on VIC Radio. We'll be listening to the best of classic rock, so tune in. So after that short break, we're back talking New York Giants football on the Big Apple Sports Talk Show. Cam Manna and Eli Fishman with you. The New York Giants 0-2 to start the season. And straight out of the gates, we'll talk about what John Mara, the New York Giants owner, said. And Eli, I'm not sure if you saw this. He said that if the New York Giants start 0-3 and lose on Sunday against Atlanta, there will be some serious consequences. I don't know if he's looking at Jason Garrett. I assume he's not looking at Joe Judge or Dave Gettleman this early in the year, but if the Giants go 0-3 with all the money that they've put into this squad, it's it's going to be an uproar. Absolutely. I saw. I didn't see that exact comment, but I saw a lot of talks, um, especially with Gettleman, um, more perhaps beyond this season um, because we, we are early, and I feel like we have seen a lot of negatives and positives, and I honestly feel like Jason Garrett hasn't been – as big of, I would say, disappointment as a lot of people are making out to be. I feel okay. like he does get a lot of the blame um, in terms of in terms of the schemes. I don't necessarily love it, but it's, it feels like an overall team camaraderie issue right now. I well, you know, the team coming together like they have they have the tools, they have the players yep. to be an elite team. And you look at the defense and how elite they can be with with these Logan Ryan's and these Bradberries and Blake Martinez, and just this entire team feels depressed I would say well there's there's two things that I look at you know coaches always say it's it's about the scheme at times but you know you can scheme whatever if it, but it also comes down to the players that you have on the field so last year I didn't put it as much on Jason Garrett um, you know at times things confuse me so you know you look at Daniel Jones at a whole he's a guy that the mistakes have been we've been trying to cut down those mistakes the Giants have been trying to cut down those mistakes more and what Jason Garrett has done to do that is that stick concept, that short pass game, making quick reads, getting the ball out quickly with the bad O-line. But that's caused for Daniel Jones to almost rush the ball out, and that's not what his game is. His game is to move in the pocket, play action, and give Jones time, get him that three, four-step drop so he can look down the field and make, that thro- make, make those throws because he's a deep ball passer. Against Denver, it was that stick concept going, you know, three-yard passes to Kyle Rudolph, the slants to Slayton and Shepard. But against Washington, the Giants aired out the ball. They they were throwing downfield more, 10 to 15-yard passes. And that, I feel like, yes, that's Jason Garrett finally calling those plays. But that's what Giants fans have been calling for throughout his whole tenure as the offensive coordinator. Let Daniel Jones air the ball out. He's a deep ball passer. Absolutely, that Reds the the football team game looked yep. looked very promising um, for for what the potential is. Um, and opposed to the the Denver game, uh, and you're completely right about keeping it short, especially the run the run game. Yep. The, the run game has just not been used um, at all. And Daniel Jones has almost double as many rushing yards as Saquon Barkley this yeah. year. Yeah, um, Jones rushed for a hundred yards yeah. against Washington. Yeah, um, and I feel like that's. That's obviously an important aspect of football, rushing the football, um, and they've barely done that. Barkley has 23 attempts in their two games. Jones has 15. Um, 
rushing and you know you consider some of those when you when you step out of the pocket so you can erase a few of those um but it's just been disappointing in terms of how the ball is moved overall overall for them and they don't really they don't really use all of the aspects that that they could be and that's why it's frustrating but the 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 game last thursday although there were so many problems with it it was (laughs) the horrible game nightmare the positives the positives were definitely there yeah and the positives were for the first time in a long time daniel jones and the pass blocking of the offensive line was good. Jones had time in the pocket to make throws. Sterling Shepard's been great. He, you know, 112 yards his first game, 94 last game. Um, Slayton, you know, makes the touchdown catch, drops the ball. But the offense was moving more fluidly in the passing game. The problem, the problems really just crush the positives. And that's Saquon Barkley not being back to full strength. That's why when Jason Garrett said Saquon Barkley is 100%, he's not. Everyone sees that he's not. If you don't watch football, you know that he's hesitant. He's not making the cuts as you know he used to. And yes, it's going to take time. But then give Devontae Booker more of that load if Barkley's not going to be what everyone expects him to be. And then the missed opportunities. You know, Darius Slayton dropping that touchdown. James Bradbury getting the interception. Giants are on the 20-yard line with two minutes left to go. They could score a touchdown and seal it. And, you know, that people, you know, look at it towards Jason Garrett and Joe Judge playing it conservative. Let's just run this clock out and kick the field goal. That's something else, I think, that is more of a mental mistake. I think that the reason Jason Garrett got fired in Dallas was for those exact reasons, not closing games out, being more conservative and not looking to win, just but more looking to not lose, if that makes sense. And I like the Giants, obviously the positives were there, but the negatives just outweighed them. Absolutely. The penalties were were obviously a huge part. And again, I feel like it's just organizational. Like that's that's part of why it's so frustrating is because, you know, yes it is specific players at specific times and it is specific things, parts of the game at specific times, but it just feels like it's as a whole with this team and it's a problem. And, you know, going back to the injuries, I, I do feel like, you know, it crushes every team, but especially in the blocking department. Nick, n- losing Nick yeah. Gates was huge. And, you know, I've always been pretty high on Evan Ingram, especially in, in terms of his blocking. Um, and, and he's been out too. And, and Saquon, you just don't even know what to think. He's hurt. He's hurt, but how, how long has it been? I know. How long has it been? And also, it's been three weeks since they said he's going to be 100% for week one. And it's one of those things where it's if he's hurt, it stinks. Odell tore his ACL. He's been out for the first two. He's coming back um, this week. I wouldn't have been super angry if Barkley had to sit out one or two games to get to full strength because now I feel like he's played two. Barkley is probably banged up after these two, and now it's like, is he going to recover from these last two games and still the ACL injury and getting back to full strength and getting comfortable as an NFL running back and taking those hits? Because, you know, this is a long season, week by week, and the, the Giants are built around, obviously, um, you know, Kenny Galladay coming in and expecting Daniel Jones to do well, but the heart and soul of the offense is Saquon Barkley. Absolutely. That's why he's your first-round pick. That's why they're paying him the money that they are, um, and that's why he's one of the top running backs in the league. And it's, it's no secret that they rushed him, and I feel like that's definitely something that's going to blow up in the face of the Giants and in the face of fans, and it's just disappointing to see. And I did see something that um, he was limited in practice this week. Um, I don't know if it's that they're just taking a step back, if he did get banged up, but it's just absolutely so worrisome, and especially because they don't really have a, a second running back. Yep. You know, last year they had 
Devontae Freeman, and he was he was great. He was he was definitely reliable. And this year, I couldn't even tell you who their second running back. Oh was. God! And it's you know Wayne Gallman last year was Gallman right? Exactly. Gallman was the reason everyone loved Gallman. The reason that I loved Gallman and the Giants organization enjoyed him as a running back was he ran hard. He got the ball, didn't you know hesitate in the backfield. He just you know they called him Wayne Train. He was literally he was literally a train would, that would just run through the offensive line and you know was really not afraid to get hit, just put his head down and went. And that's sometimes what the Giants need. And Barkley, obviously, he's more of, you know, that big player go home sometimes. But I feel like something that he's going to have to learn is take those four yards instead of that one or that negative two sometimes that he, you know, tries to cut to the outside. And, um, you know, Devontae Booker, I just feel like the NFL now is more of a committee backfield. And Devontae Booker, to me, when he comes in, it's, you know— two rushes against Washington for nine yards and it's not it's not productive and I hope that if he plays more this week we'll see you know Barkley said he's becoming more comfortable but when Devontae Booker comes in the game and if he has to take more snaps because Barkley's not help, uh, healthy he's got to be productive the production that we saw from Wayne Gallman who we did not re-sign in the offseason and with Booker he's he doesn't deserve to be a second string running back he's been around the block and he is just a dis- he's just not just not good. No, that's simple. So he shouldn't even be getting the snaps that he has, even with Saquon Barkley in the backfield so far. So to think that he can jump in front of Barkley, considering all the injuries and everything, is just horrifying to think about as as a Giants fan about you know the production that the offense can have. And we're not you know hating on Saquon Barkley. It's more just that if he's going to be back on the field and you're gonna say as Saquon Barkley, I'm back, I'm ready to go, Jason Garrett, to say that, hey, Saquon Barkley is 100% and he's ready to play, but then Barkley comes out and does this. You know, he had one explosive run against Washington, and, you know, to me, he looked hesitant even to, you know, get out of the backfield and push something up the field. He just does not look like the Saquon Barkley that we expect, and that's fine, but then bring a more competent backup in than Devontae Booker or figure, you know, something out. Maybe don't maybe they shouldn't play them these first two games because now he has to recover from being banged up on that short week that they had from Denver to Washington and now, you know, playing Atlanta on, you know, obviously a longer week, but hopefully this longer week definitely helped Barkley. Absolutely. And you think about you you can't help but in this age of the NFL think about players as investments. Right, it's it's a long term investment, and you're putting in that money. Yep. And in this situation where Saquon, we want him to be our franchise running back for years and years to come, considering how good he's been when he's and on. where and where they picked him and who they picked him over. Exactly, and you can't have him not on the field or on the field when when he's been through so much when he's not at a hundred percent. It's truly an investment, and especially in a season where you got to admit the who who's expecting the Giants. To win the Super Bowl, no, it's not even the Super the division, Bowl. The, the, the division, and even though the division hasn't even looked great, um, so you got to think about it like that. All the money they're paying him, and also with the Ravens, you know, obviously Dobbins goes down, their top two running backs goes down. They come back, they come up, and they they picked up Bell. I'm, I'm spacing out on who the other one was. I think they brought in um, Devontae Freeman. To they, their br- practice they brought squad. in Freeman. Yep. And both of, and Bell had an amazing week two. Yeah, they both looked really good, and you can see how. It 
it's possible to bring in to bring in a, someone else when you don't have someone producing um, and to succeed, and you really just want to hope that that's what the Giants do. And it's not even about the Giants winning the Super Bowl, but it's more about not starting 0-5 and then finishing the season you know, for this year with the 17, uh, you know, week season four and 12, I'm sorry, four and 13 or, you know, six and 11 winning, winning more games. So the giants don't have to obviously make the playoffs, but no one in the fan base, especially the organization, John Mara has been getting, you know, a lot of fire towards him, especially, you know, Dave Gettleman, they want to at least see an eight to nine win season, be in the hunt, be competitive Instead of just being in the doghouse of the NFL, which is where they've been, they've started 0-2 every year since 2017 and have made the playoffs once since their Super Bowl run. It's they Besides maybe like the Jets, they are the worst team in football in, in, in the last, you know, over the last decade, the last 10 years. And they're, and they're honoring this Super Bowl team in, I think, two weeks. I think they're honoring them when we play the Rams at home on October 17th. Sorry, not we, the New York Giants. They're honoring 10 years ago, and it's almost like a laughable because that's the last time the Giants were competitive. It's, it's just the culture, and that's what it comes down to, and that's why you do think maybe you need a shakeup. And I keep thinking about, and I'll, I'll pose this question to you, like what even is the worst thing right now? Like it feels like there's so many things going wrong in terms of we talk about the rush and, and the schemes and the defense, and like what even is it that feels fixable right now? I think the main thing that I look at they allow 27 points to Denver. They allow 30 points to Washington. 30. The defense last year was 10th in the NFL. They were a top 10 defense, and yes, maybe they overperformed. But right now, they're playing like the worst defense in football. They are allowing every pass in, in, in front of them. They're playing this soft zone defense where you know we're giving every receiver at least five yards to catch the ball, and we're not making tackles. There's no pass rush. Leonard Williams, who he signed for, I don't even know how much money, a crazy amount of money, has not been getting any pressure at all. We have two sacks in the year, and they're both from um, Azizi Ojolari, who was our second-round pick from Georgia. The Giants' defense is the one thing that, as fans and as an organization, the Giants were relying on to do well, and it's the one thing that has just been atrocious for the first two weeks of the season. Absolutely. And, like, you just look at the roster, and there's Blake Martinez, Logan Ryan, Bradbury, Jabril Pepper, Xavier McKinney. I was so excited to see him, you know, you know, one of those young, exciting players in the game. And they just haven't done anything. We've seen absolutely nothing. Giving up 30 points to Taylor Heineke and the football team is just abysmal, especially considering they're in our, in our division, especially considering our, our offense put up you know, twenty nine points, which oh. is which is Daniel Jones great, put up twenty nine points, and, and that's and, solid. And your and defense, game. your defense didn't win it for you. And it felt like you know there obviously was the penalty, which I don't even want to talk about. And then all the mistakes that were made, but it really came down to the defense, and it, and it really does, despite all the problems on the offensive side. Our so if you look at the New York Giants salary cap hits, our two highest paid players are on defense. James Bradbury, Leonard Williams. This offseason, and even the offseason before, Dave Gettleman has brought in defense. Bradbury was his. Leonard Williams was um, you know, his as well. Bringing in a Dory Jackson this offseason to line up next to Bradbury. A Dory Jackson looks awful. A Dory Jackson got mossed in the back of the end zone with five minutes left versus Washington, wasn't able to make a play. 
um, you know, a defense as well. Jabril Peppers has not been playing as many snaps for some reason that no one knows that Joe Judge and Patrick Graham aren't talking about. Logan Ryan has been okay. He had that good game against Denver. But besides that, there's no pass rush, and there's just no anchor on defense right now, which is so concerning because this was the bright spot. It was going to be what we expected was more low-scoring games, defensive battle. Ken Jones figure it out. And minusing that Denver game, the Washington team, who has an amazing defense, we put up 29 points and lost. And now you look at this um, week coming up against Atlanta. Atlanta has been terrible. Atlanta has looked awful. And this is a game, these first three weeks of the season, not playing against great competition. The Giants' schedule only gets harder. If they can't beat Atlanta, Denver, or Washington, and then after that, having New Orleans, Dallas, L.A., the Panthers who are 3-0. It's just it's going to get so much worse for New York. Absolutely. you got to think about, do they clean house midseason? Do they fire a couple people midseason, see what works? Do they, like, what What do you even do at this point? You know, you got to think, Garrett, does, does Garrett go? Does Graham go? Does Freddie Kitchens go? What What could they possibly do? And it makes me, like, shake my head because... I don't think the Giants should just clear house again. They they clear they, house two years ago. It feels like ago. they keep doing it. And also the amount of money that they're spending, like you know, as you said, on all these players. Um, and you, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and all all the guys we just rattled off, they're really in their prime. You know, this is this is it feels like obviously with the Barkley injury. Yep. But it feels like it's really as good as it's going to get. You know, in terms of of the franchise production. So you want to capitalize on that right now. And also, you look at you know the Giants as a whole. Two GMs in the last four to five years, three head coaches, actually four head coaches, Coughlin, McAdoo, Shermer, Judge, in the last five years. Then offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, everything is changing. The one thing that's stayed the same, though, is ownership. And, you know, no one ever wants to look at ownership, but maybe it's something top to bottom that there there must be something wrong because out of – Everything that we've talked, we've talked about players, schemes, coaches. Everything keeps getting cleared out and revamped. But the one thing that's saying the same is ownership. And I feel like people got to start looking at John Mara and the the Mara and the Tish family because they're the only thing that stayed constant throughout all of this. And the Giants are just not getting better. And this week against versus Atlanta, Mara should not just be looking at the coaching staff and the players. He should be looking at himself and the ownership of the New York Giants because. 0-3 for the second year in a row, and you know, it just looks like it just feels like they're 0-3 every year. Just terrible to think about. This leaves me speechless. And that's the most important part of, of a franchise because it is a business from top to bottom. And you think about teams like the Steelers, um, because I feel like they've been the best example of that. Tomlin and and the, uh, Art Rooney, they've stayed the same. And you know, even with Mason Rudolph, they went eight and eight and made the playoffs. Ugh. It's just it's just the culture. And, you know, I feel like that's really it for the Giants. And and then our next topic is Eli Manning's Man, yeah. retirement. Well, no one knows how to win, but the guy that, you know, knew how to win in big moments, they're retiring his number tomorrow. Yeah, and it's so it's just so sad to see, <laughs> to, you know, to see his number go up and, and how everything has declined since since the good old days with him and, and Tom Coughlin, which, which even at some times it, it, they felt so brutal. They but, did, but now, <laughs> but now we look back on them like you know those were the days. No, but there were times we were calling for 
you know, as fans, we were calling for Coughlin and oh, yeah. Manning's job. But now you look at what's happening right now in the Giants organization, and it's like, wow, we were we were real lucky with what we had. And then the fans that are much older than us, when they had, um, you know, Phil Sims and Parcells, and in in that time, everyone's got to look back and be like, wow, we were very thankful because look at the organization now; it's just it, it's on fire. It's terrible. It is. Uh, and you just you just got to look forward for the future and and hope that there are some changes from from top to bottom and we see something new. We will see you next week on the Big Apple Sports Talk Show. Cam Anna and Eli Fishman. We will be right back for the pregame of the women's soccer game Ithaca and Clarkson University. They will start at two p.m. pregame show coming up. So that is it for us on the Big Apple Sports Show talking Yankees and Giants. We will see you next week. And stay tuned on VIC.